morning, everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I am so grateful for your support and your emails. I appreciate them. Send me an email. Let me know where you're at in your journey, and I would love to encourage you. Uh, my email is T-A-L-A-I-B-R-A 8888 at gmail.com. And I usually respond promptly. <laughs> okay. So I've been kind of... Um, not necessarily delaying this topic, but in my reflection on it intuitively, it seemed to have been delayed up until about a week ago where I came face to face with this topic that I've been needing to address. And this topic having to do with father issues in men, daddy issues in men. This is something that, again, is to help us reflect on the past, identify any wounding that might be involved when it comes to a son in relationship to his father. And uh, these wounds don't really get exposed too much to an adult because of probably lack of introspection in the area. We just kind of move along and survive. And so the male doesn't really have an opportunity to say, okay, there's something going on with my masculinity and the way I was raised and, I, and how I uh, observed masculinity to be. And more importantly, how it impacts me today. And if I'm raising boys, if I'm, I'm raising sons, I more than likely will have uh, something come out as I am raising them. You know, when we raise children, a lot of the times we, in raising them, we reflect a lot on our childhood and that supports a really important function for us, which is to help us become a better parent. But a lot of the times we don't delve deep in it. You know, as a father, if you are going to become one or you already are one, this is a great episode for you to really explore developmentally the impact of a father on his son. And of course, generationally, this uh, is transferred. How you were treated by a father is also how it's it's going to be uh, impacting the way you treat your own son. It's really important to understand generationally what's been happening, what has been addressed or not addressed, and really attempt to explore it, give it a name, and see how it plays out in your own life with your own decision-making, your own perception of yourself as a male, and how you interact with others, specifically how your masculinity interacts with others. This should not surprise you, friends, but I'd like to start from the beginning and in telling the story of what our society sees as a masculine role. We are all programmed heavily heavily programmed of what a man is and what a female is, what a feminine is, what a masculine is, and those traits that are associated with it. Those traits tend to be societally acceptable masculine or feminine traits. Now, when it comes to socializing a masculine, a male in our society, we have certain traits that usually act as a guideline, something that uh, a father teaches his son to make him more socially acceptable. And in doing so, he is attempting to protect his son from being bullied or uh, criticized 
or any of those other factors. Now, this is a really important thing because, you know, the function of uh, same-sex parent teaching the child is really to help them become initiated to their own gender, right? So it's kind of like a male is, uh, the male perceives his role is to, to teach the child how to behave as a masculine. So he's not an outcast, but rather integrated into society. Now that's a healthy perspective, right? Because we don't want our boy to be bullied. We want him to be set up for success. Now that is a great thing. However, this can turn sour pretty quickly, depending on the father, what he perceives or acknowledges masculinity to be the distortion of it in his mind, that all will impact along with the temperament of the child, how the child is going to receive all that. Does it go with his temperament or does it go against his temperament? Uh, All that is going to be interactive in the way the child and the father uh, exchange this information of masculinity. This is very important when we're talking about daddy issues with men. It's all about them being socialized into the role that's really distinct, that needs to help them survive their universe. Now, in a healthy social programming of a masculine, the father role provides the role of a protector, a provider, a role model. A male teaches his son how to be socially acceptable as a male, like I've said before. He's also an encourager and he encourages by being involved. He helps, he helps the boy build a self-esteem, uh, by the way he treats him, by the way he perceives him as important, by the way he allows him to voice his opinions and help send the message that his opinions, his thoughts, his feelings matter. A healthy father role also is an initiator, is a person that kind of helps a kiddo go on to adventures and exploration. So he helps initiate that. And initiating certain adventures also means he might be an initiator or a leader or a decision maker. All those variations of that is a role that we also may perceive as a part of the masculine father role. Most importantly, though, he is demonstrating how a male treats his partner. The son will be seeing that. That's probably the most important role. How does this father act when uh, he doesn't get his way or when there's conflict? All that will be observed by the son and it will definitely impact his education. Now, any of these healthy father roles can go to extreme and become distorted. A provider can be off balance with this father. He can be all about providing, but not be emotionally available. I can take another trait. For example, he is um, a protector, but being too much of a protector would be a form of controlling, overcorrecting. That could become a problem as well. Another distorted version of these traits could be when teaching a man how to be socially acceptable as a male could also teach not so healthy of a trait, depending on the father. If the father believes, for example, aggression, making a point, you know, standing up for yourself. If he preaches those principles or those beliefs, he's going to uh, teach the son masculinity, but it's going to be a little too, I don't know, problematic because we don't want to be initiating fights because a guy was looking at me wrong. But unfortunately, with this type of father, his beliefs are going to 
distort masculinity. So any of these masculine father roles can be distorted at any time by any father, depending on where they come from, their past experiences, and all that is in between. That all has to be taken into consideration. Now, the second thing I want people to take into consideration when they're looking at daddy issues within a male is to understand more importantly, not just the father or the father role, but I want you to be aware of the temperament of the child. Are they introverted or extroverted? I happen to think either one of those, the minimum thing to notice when it comes to the kind of kiddo we've got here, <laughs> the minimum. I'm just, I just had to pick one trait that I think really determines uh, kind of other personality traits. So a person who's introverted tends to be to himself. He in- internalizes, quiet, doesn't like to be center of attention. A person who's extroverted is usually outspoken, loud, uh, likes attention, uh, likes to be involved, is, is a social butterfly. Those two different types of temperaments really need to be noticed with the child that is being fathered here. And they determine to some extent whether there's going to be this clash of personalities. And if a father, for example, is an extrovert and he has an introverted child, if the father hasn't done his own work on himself, he's just not aware, he's kind of has toxic traits or extreme traits as a father, then more than likely he might find the child's masculinity, his temperament, not sufficient. And he will try to make that masculinity resemble his extroverted masculinity. And so he won't appreciate the internalized introverted to himself kind of boy. He'll try to criticize that, overcorrect that, at which point the boy starts to reject these aspects within himself because he wants to please his dad. Same thing happens uh, the other way around. Uh, but I think that I see more of the father issues happening with a child that is introverted. He's really impacted in some interesting ways than a kiddo who's extroverted and maybe have an introverted father. But it could happen the same way. I could have an introverted father kind of quiet to himself and an extroverted child who's more uh, outspoken, loud, energetic. That also might impose on the child's personality. And this introvert may judge the extroverted child, try to overcorrect him. The same idea here. There will be a personality clash or there most certainly could be a personality clash that impacts the upbringing of that son. Also, in him rejecting aspects of himself, he starts to shut down his traits or emotions within himself that males around him to some extent do not accept or do not demonstrate. So the child learns to accommodate or acclimate to his male social role to appease others or to blend in. And that's a a very normal adaptive response. The kid will take on whatever role he needs to do to survive his upbringing, his childhood, his society, um, to fit in, to belong. And we don't ever think that anything is unusual in that case. The kid will do whatever it takes to do that. That's what surviving means to a kiddo. And that's why they're so resilient. So it makes sense that they would accommodate. Now, let's get to the two types of fathers out there that I'm going to present for you that will have impact into a child having possibly daddy issues with him. The first one is a father that is present physically, but not 
available emotionally. A father that's basically a provider. That's all his main role is. It's like, I provide, that's sufficient. Usually it's a workaholic, an alcoholic. He probably might be a, mo- a womanizer as well. But this this father is just not interested in parenting beyond the role of a provider. He could demonstrate beliefs about males and female roles in kind of an unhealthy way, as in males are more superior, females are inferior, uh, there's specified traditional extreme roles in the household where females are in charge of this, males are in charge of this, and uh, females don't really have an opinion. They're kind of seen, not heard, okay? And they are there to please the male support masculinity, basically, as masculinity is superior to femininity. This present but not available father or unavailable father would also prioritize others besides his son, which impacts his self-esteem. He can prioritize his drinking buddies. He can prioritize his social associations, whatever he's part of. He'll prioritize his biker club or any other cause other than his son. The son will notice this and how the son will internalize it is that he's going to perceive himself as unimportant. This kiddo raised with this type of father is really going to have some significant impact on his self-esteem. He's going to perceive himself not being good enough and unimportant. Like I said, he will also have a chip on his shoulder that might end up provoking some sort of anger from that kiddo. Later on as an adult, he will have very quick responses, impulsive responses, triggered responses that are motivated by anger towards people or people that question his masculinity. Um, you know, this is, this is really important because that that guy will be, he could present as level-headed until he's not, and then he'll show himself and he'll show himself to other people and he will be seen as a hothead. He gets offended quickly and he doesn't know how to process information and has something to prove because of his inferiority complex that probably developed around that time. Again, having a father who is in the home, right, but is not perceiving that the child is important. And the kid has to work really hard to get the dad's attention. That kiddo starts to build uh, an idea or a concept about himself that, or beliefs about himself that state that he's not worth the time. So unfortunately, in that way, the kid blames himself, but does not blame the father. And that's a way to survive for the kiddo. He doesn't have to blame the father because he needs a father. So it must be me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. So they'll take themselves down, unfortunately, to have a father, to keep that hope towards having a father because they need one. They need a role model. Now, this son to that father, that unavailable father might have toxic relationships where the treatment of women is in the home is them being inferior. He's just replicating what he's learned from his memories. This is a, a child that later becomes a father, hasn't done his work on himself, so sought to understand his past and how it impacted him. He will more than likely perceive women as less than, and to some extent, he might get into this idea of objectifying them, So that means they might become also a womanizer like their dad, possibly. But the idea is that I 
I don't think women have feelings. They are inferior. That's part of the memories of that man because he's seen that growing up. More than likely, he cannot escape the memories of that idea of women being less than. Now, if the, even if the mom was there in the household and she responded to this type of father and the son saw that, it's very impactful because all she did was she let the son know by her approval of dad's behaviors that that's that's okay to think that way of women. That's okay to treat them that way. Mom did not present with any boundaries. And so eventually um, the message came across loud and clear that women are okay with being mistreated or that they are inferior because, again, the message was sent visibly by mom approving of dad's behavior. Uh, let's see. This son that is born to that father, that unavailable father, he is going to have very little tolerance for children's behaviors. So you'll see him have very little patience towards other children if he hasn't really worked on that. Because when he was young, it was all about pleasing dad, trying to get his attention because he's unavailable. This son will tend to experience an irritable dad. When he comes home, dad wants everything to be quiet. There's no fun in it. If a kid starts to act like a kid, that father might be uh, like, I'm tired. Go to your room. Uh, I, he, he won't want to see childlike behaviors and he doesn't see them kindly. He sees them as an inconvenience. So, of course, that represses the child who's being raised in that household. They repress that child fun and find that to be an inconvenience. The loudness, the kids climbing on top of you and wanting to play with you and childlike behaviors, jumping on couches, all that. This type of father will excessively respond to that behavior. It won't just go with the flow. And so they'll shut it down. Like this is, ah, this is not what kids behave like and they should be behaving and they might have a strict perspective, but that's not necessarily the case all the time. But again, if they are controlling or they've taken on that controlling extreme, they will show that like a kid cannot show childlike behaviors. Now that kid growing up is going to also have difficulty being a father uh, because he'll find child behaviors irritating and uh, will probably try to solve the problem in the same way it was solved with him, which is tell the kid to go to his room, you know, quiet it down, get off the couch. He might hit, he might be abusive. The most important thing to talk about when it comes to uh, an emotionally unavailable father, we have to mention the extreme aspect of it, which is the father who's physically abusive. I think that father impacts this child in a very strong way. Take everything that I just told you about, the possibilities of uh, inferiority complex, having anger, all that with a, a, an emotionally and physically abusive father, what they do to the son is to emasculate and humiliate the son. That's usually what they do. This father is extremely distorted. His fatherly role is just abusive and they never again correct it, take accountability and they continue to take it out on that kid. They 
unhappy with themselves and they humiliate the child. This is the kind of parent that will, uh, in a, in a baseball game, if the kid does not win, he'll, he'll cuss him out. He'll yell and scream and humiliate the kid. He thinks he's correcting this, but all he's doing is emasculating the boy. He's, he's shrinking him down. He's shrinking him down. You know, of course, the, the more abusive the behavior that is demonstrated by the father, the more shrinking the, the kiddo has to have because he's not competing with that masculine. He's not going to compete with dad. Dad does not have a collaborative attitude towards him. Like, hey, we're both males. I'm here to guide you. He's not a, he's not a guide to that kiddo anymore. He is in control of that child and he will emasculate him. He will humiliate as a way to control, but also to boost up his own masculinity. This father might have been also abused as a child and it's in his memories and he hasn't dealt with it and he's going to take it out on that kid. So it's going to be generational abuse here um, as abuse is really uh, the case. It's generational. So it's very sad. The outcome of that is really terrible. This is an emotional abandonment of the father and a, uh, an emotional abandonment and of course physical neglect and emotional neglect. And this is difficult for a child to deal with, a son to deal with. They need a father. They help them develop their masculinity within. They help them develop their self-esteem. Like I said, a healthy father does amazing things. He encourages. He acts as a role model. He demonstrates how to treat a woman or a partner, another masculine, if that's the case. He demonstrates all of that for this son. He doesn't have to say it. He is about it, right? Because words here don't matter. I don't know if you guys know that, but words here don't matter. It's all about the actions. Because if I'm just lecturing, but I'm not backing it up, that sends a different message. Message that I don't think is is useful. Because all I'm really learning from my dad is that he is a hypocrite. And that sends a message that I think every child can understand is that uh, there's an inconsistency in my dad, um, in masculinity. It's all about talking a good talk, but you don't actually have to produce any actions. And that also raises a different kind of masculine. That's that guy out there that just kind of talks a good talk, sounds great, but doesn't actually produce anything. He does not keep his word. And so he is seen as flimsy as his word. That's that guy. Okay. Now, let's talk about the second type of father who produces father issues in sons. And that is the absent father. Now, this absent father, ladies and gentlemen, could include a father that's in prison. So he's seen in and out. A father that's in and out is considered absent. He's not actually in a parenting role. <laughs> he's relieved himself for some reason of his parenting role. That's an absent father. He's also included in the father altogether that isn't there at all. Like he's not known to the child at all. Uh, so the in and out father, whether he's in prison, in and out of his life, doing other things, has abandoned them somehow, or an absent father who's not there at all. It, those two are an absent father that produces a, a daddy issue in a kid. I don't want to forget this. I would also like to mention that son that is left with his mom and a father starts elsewhere, starts a different family elsewhere and forgets completely about 
this child with his mom, that son gets a message. That son is impacted, even though he may never see the dad again. There's a strong message being sent there when the dad leaves to start a family and he's taking care of other children, leaves this one behind. So I would also like to include that as the absent father. Now, the best way I have found in demonstrating the impact or the traits of an absent father is by telling you the statistics I have compiled just for you to demonstrate that or illustrate what a what an absent father does in a boy's life or a child's life. Now, these statistics were collected from different resources, all of which if you want to know where they're from, you could just Google it and you'll find these resources through the Census Bureau. But the reports that I could find dealt from the time range of 2011 to 2015. But I assure you, they're very relevant to us today because I don't think these numbers are decreasing. All right. So 85% of men in prison grew up fatherless. 85%. Wow. 24.7 million children in the USA live in a home without a father present. Seven out of 10 youth housed in juvenile detentions or treatment facilities are fatherless. In 2011, 44% of children living with single mother were living in poverty. 44%, ladies and gentlemen. 90% of youth runaways or homeless children, or they become homeless for any reason, originally came from fatherless homes. I wish this got better, but it gets worse. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. 63% of uh, youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Now, this is what's really impacting is that 63% of youths with a successful suicide, this not an attempt, came from fatherless homes. This is a large number, people, large number. So... I think this helps demonstrate to me and hopefully to you the impact of an absent father. I don't care for what darn reason it's out there for, but an absent father to a son, to a child is very impactful. I want fathers to know they're really darn important. I think in society, we don't demonstrate that enough. We, we put a lot of importance towards mom, but I assure you the father is so important, so important to a family. As you can see from those very alarming statistics. Now, let's talk about the impact on an adult male. When it comes to an absent father, the adult male will seek to gather information about masculinity from the people that are the most available and the people that he will, he will try to feel a sense of belonging with. Usually those are friends. So fatherless kids tend to, uh, seek the approval or get their needs met and a sense of belonging and masculinity uh, or masculine approval, they're going to get that from their friends. This is a problematic, friends. (laughs) Now, it is very important also to mention that the media has now played a significant role in fathering a lot of children, a lot of males. It helps educate them on what or how males should be behaving like or what they should find important. Uh, I recently went and took my son to a barber shop. 
this barbershop was really fancy, friends. I, it's not what it used to be. I, I, in my head, I think of a barbershop being really kind of quaint, men giving really wise advice to one another. It's a wonderful place to learn healthy masculinity, but oh no. <laughs> Not this place. I go in there, and although the the barbers are so talented, very artistic. I mean, they took an hour and a half on my son's head, uh, just trimming it properly. It's just a, it was a masterpiece, people, masterpiece. However, I was listening to the music as I was sitting there waiting for my son to get his haircut, and it is blasting. I think it's mostly rap and it was rap that because there's different types of rap, but this in particular was kind of a very new kind of rap where uh, women are bitches and there's a lot of uh, misogynistic type of themes kind of being talked about. Women are objectified, uh, bitch this, bitch that. And in listening to all this, right, the first thing that came to mind, the first thing that came to mind, these are all fatherless sons. All these rap artists, I bet money on are going to be fatherless sons. My instinct, my intuition told me that. It's kind of like I, I could feel them through. Just the way they talked about women, the role models were other people that couldn't carry on a relationship. So that's why they use sex as a form of connection. And they talk about sex that way. It's just that's that's the only thing that a woman is good for, right? So that means they never actually observed a proper healthy male role in which uh, a man honors his house, his uh, honors his role as a masculine towards his children and his and his wife or his partner. And that becomes very evident in those songs. This this experience is completely superficial, that a woman is only good for sex. And I heard variations of what really a woman could be good for and the different variations of that in these in each song, one after the other. Like, it wasn't that creative, but I mean, they attempted the creativity there with each song talking about the same thing. So again, a male that is an adolescent can find education in these types of music and in this type of themes or messages. Again, nothing against rap. I grew up in California and I remember my childhood with rap music. I'm really glad that it didn't all sound like that. I don't know what happened. We were much more creative back then. (laughs) I don't know. But for sure, I think this is a generation of rap music that does employ a lot of fatherless sons, a lot of fatherless men. And you can tell that there's a flimsy masculinity, a very narcissistically centered masculinity. And of course, when this man decides to have a son, because he had not experienced that bond, more than likely, he will also objectify the child. Somebody objectified him. Somebody did not perceive him worthy of the time, right? Somebody did not think he had emotions and, and thoughts and feelings and, and was worthy of being taken care of. This is the message that could be accidentally received by this son growing up with an absent father. So it is not that far-fetched to think that if he has a son or he has a child, more than likely he will do the same to that child. He will do the same to that child. Now, this generally becomes a self-preserving, narcissistically traded individual, meaning he's going to be self-serving. 
That's all he's about is about his image is about what he looks like. He's going to look like a male, but he's not going to have a healthy masculine role. He's not going to take care of his family. He's not going to take care of his uh, responsibilities and obligations. He's not going to be accountable for them, but he's going to look masculine, right? So he's going to be very interested in the image or the superficiality of it. He's going to perceive masculinity is about bagging women instead of having meaningful relationships with women and demonstrating a healthy masculinity that way. It's more about, let me collect women. How many women can I get? And how do I get them? And how do I play them? Uh, it's an anger towards women, ironically, because it doesn't make sense to me if many of these men might be raised by single moms. It's, it's pretty interesting that it's a response that they could be also angry at mom as well, or angry at a female through their responses towards female partners or connections. So unfortunately, this adult masculine who grew up with an absent father in the unhealthy side may demonstrate masculinity to be kind of a hyper masculinity. He takes aspects of what it, what it's like to look like a man, but not actually the hard stuff that a man does, right? So for example, he's going to look very well put together. He might have or drive a very flashy car. You know, he's going to look like he can fit or belong to the coolest kind of masculine. However, this guy may not be paying child support. This guy may not be seeing his kids consistently. Uh, he's just chasing women, perhaps, and continuing that uh, very toxic masculine role. He may also not be able to keep a job for too long. He he may have uh, issues with uh, his ability to discipline his aggression and perceives that masculine is just aggressive. And and again, this is where the hypermasculinity comes in. And we end up in and out of jail, uh, cr committing crime, taking shortcuts to things instead of doing things the uh, maybe harder way, but more consistent and uh, more responsible or mature way. I want to make sure that everybody knows that just because you have an absent father, it does not mean that you will demonstrate masculinity or end up like that. All I'm saying is that is one version of one male that does have daddy issues due to an absent father. And I'm referring to those statistics, you know, I'm kind of keeping it very contained in definition based on the statistics I provided to you early on when I started talking about the absent father. All this needs to connect with, with one another. That's all I'm really doing here. Uh, there are many people, many men with absent fathers that go on to do amazing things typically based off having no memories in a great childhood or a great fatherhood experience. That's an amazing thing for all the wonderful fathers out there that really make it happen with so little memories of having a father themselves. They do amazing things with their sons uh, and they change it generationally. So their son and their son's sons get to have memories of having a father that's around, that's really available and doing amazing things with them. A father is really important, ladies and gentlemen. And a really wonderful, great, available father can really generationally change the course and prevent heartbreak and prevent prison time and homelessness and poverty for the family. That's what a great father does. He builds a self-esteem of a son that continues to carry on the tradition and the memories of a great fatherhood for generations to come.
So it is not something that is small. It needs to be put forth. And like I said before, sometimes we glorify the role of a mom and present its importance. And although it is very important, the role of a father is also important generationally. Those statistics are pretty powerful for me. And when I read them and I'm reading them to you, it really helped me realize how important a father is. And it's so sad that most of us will only become as good as our past. Very few of us will transcend it. Very few of us, without the memory of having a great father, perhaps, or a great mother, we will more than likely not become a great father or a great mother because we don't have memories in it. That's the average person. Now, some of us, hopefully some of us and more and more of us in the future can start becoming a father and a mother from a place of healing rather than memory and understanding what I would have needed as a, as a, as a son from his father is going to help me understand how, what to give my son. In doing so, there's, there's the healing that starts is first we got to validate we, we have father issues and that I was to some extent ignored or my needs not met emotionally and physically at times by my father. And that impacted me today in seeing myself with compassion, more importantly, and then in seeing other people with compassion. Understanding how the role of your father and the messages you receive directly or indirectly from your father and how he treated his family, or didn't, in this case, that will help us get better clues on what I need to work on as a man today that I need to heal. So this way I can generationally change this pattern or this behavior, and then future generations will have memories in healthy masculine roles. Oh boy, what a great cause that we need to all be working towards. I think that if you sit with me in those, in this room that I sit uh, and I speak to many wounded males that have a difficulty making a connection with their child and see the suffering this has caused them to not be able to see their children with compassion and see their partner with compassion because they lacked this or detached from their own compassion for themselves, it's not helping them live a healthier quality of life where they're emotionally able to build with people and enjoy them. It becomes more about self-preservation. It becomes about irritability, emotional repression, and all these toxic masculine traits that may not necessarily be uh, in the person's awareness, but they do f- they do very much function on them. You know, I have many fathers that I work with that don't know their upbringing has impacted them in the way they are parenting their own children. And they're not making that connection yet. But through treatment and through accountability taking, they will learn and they will be able to make changes intentionally. And the quality of the change is not just by being a provider, but it's, it's the emotional quality with our son that we want to change. It's the emotional quality. And so I'm going to be an emotionally available dad, a dad that is going to show a child or son how to mature and grow up and how to respect aspects of himself and his temperament and his personality and enhance those aspects, even if I don't see them in myself. If my son has them, I'm going to enhance them in him. And I'm not going to try to change him to make him like me, which is very much egotistical parenting, right? 
I want us to all kind of reflect on this. And whether you're a father or you're a son, this conversation can benefit you. And listen to it as many times as you like, because there's a lot of information in there. And I'd like people to to send it to somebody that they think might want to take a look at it. Now, I've only suggested a couple of daddy issues in men. However, there are more. This is taking on about close to 45 minutes. <laughs> this is the longest episode of my life. I didn't know there was so much involved. And I wanted to make sure that I tell that story and give it attention it deserves because it is so important. Those statistics need to tell you how important it is. They shout it out practically and that we need to be paying attention of what we're doing here when we have a nation full of fatherless sons. And how does that impact our society? Really, really important here. And we want to make sure that we address this and that we bring the warmth necessary to it. We tell its story, not make fun of these men, not minimize any aspects of it, but truly bring it forth. And I hope I did that in the 45 minutes. I hope I told your story. And if I did not, please send me an email. Let me know what I've missed uh, because I'd like to get your feedback on it. And, uh, I'd like to fill in that space, but I assure you there are, there are more daddy issues involved here. I just didn't go too much into them. I wanted to make them into two broad general, uh, daddy issues that maybe many can relate to for the time being. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on another episode. I love you guys. And I want you to know that you are all lovable and worthy. You were born that way. Unfortunately, we cannot control what each and every one of us had to survive growing up. And the things that we've seen and the, the families that we were born into, we have no control over that. And sometimes what we had to do to survive this family was to let go or reject aspects of ourselves to be able to make these, uh, these adults happy. However, it's our job today as adults to that inner child, as a parent to that inner child, to provide them with the best opportunities, the warmth that they've always deserved and the love and the forgiveness and the compassion that they've always deserved. We're not going to wait for an actual physical parent to do that for us. They may not have had the skills, so I'm, I'm sure that they don't have the skills now. This is our journey to shift within and to reparent our inner child in the way we've always wanted to see him being parented. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love and light. Clarence Buddington Kelland once said, My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. This has been an episode of Drive Through.